my babies and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy, Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Starsiversary, Joe, part three of three. Yeah, and we have got a big one today. Coming up on today's show, we are close to closing out 2021 and we are close to closing out the Big 20. We've still got a few live streams coming up covering those Rewind tournaments, which have added prizes for the winners, plus the Big 20 finale and the results of the Players Awards. Uh, More on all of that in a minute. Behold on to your potatoes, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, and however you identify, because I kind of buried the lead here. We saved the best for last. Today we are celebrating celebrities who play poker. So right. why not get an A-list celebrity poker player on the show? That would be logical. That would make sense. Yeah, and I wasn't sure we were going to get him to the last second, but we did. You might know him better from, oh, I don't know, every TV show ever, but you might know him best as Don M.F. Draper. We got John Ham on the show today. Yes, a slice of ham. Now, <laughs> we, we, we only got confirmation of this, like, literally last night. And I'm not going to lie, I did not have time to watch all of Mad Men between <laughs> now and then, but a uh, quick shout out to our to friend of the show, friend of the pod, Josh Molina, uh, for helping to facilitate that. Could not have done it without Josh's help. So I just want to make sure, uh, even though we don't typically do shout outs, he deserves one in this very rare case. Uh, this week's super fan, other than me for John Ham, is Michael Park, and he is challenging me to a quiz on Korean food. And uh, I know stereotyping is kind of out, but the name Michael Park. Sounds like a name that's probably going to turn me into Golby. Look, we set the rules right. We allow people to choose their own subjects. They're not going to pick a subject where they think you're going to have the advantage unless they're really, really stupid. So yeah, go, Michael. Um, Talking of Discord, which is where people should apply if they want to come on Superfan versus Stapes, nobody... Nobody on Discord correctly guessed who was going to be the special guest star on this week's podcast. So no one wins a prize. You're all losers. Uh, Apart from a couple of people who said nice things. uh, W Hunter 7 said, great podcast, chaps. Really enjoyed the latest episode. And then we had De Trois, who wrote, chuffed to join the PokerStars Discord family. Still want to do The Martian for Superfan. Don't let it go to someone else. As soon as my schedule sorts itself out, I'm there. Now, this will be Rory, who was meant to come on the podcast a couple of weeks ago to do The Martian. We mentioned, had to pull out at the last minute, but you're still on the list. Don't worry, Rory. We will have you on in the new year. If you want to be on the podcast in 2022, there is a link in the podcast description to our Discord server. We have dedicated channels to general conversation around the show, but there is also a dedicated channel to applying to be the superfan. And on that subject, I have something really important to say about Superfan versus Stapes. I have a really important Superfan announcement to make, and I'm going to do it at the end of the show. So please make sure you listen to the very end today. If you have already not signed up to Discord, you will want to by the time you have finished this episode of the show. This is exciting. I have no idea what this is. This is a surprise, even for me, which is how they have to do things so I don't fuck it up. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say that that doesn't seem particularly fair, but actually it is. It's just so much cleaner. It's just so much easier if I don't know what the hell is going on until I need to. It, 
you know, there's a good chance I forget anyway if someone needed me to do something about it. So we we just roll Stapes out, tell him what he needs to do in the next hour and, and let things go from there. Um, my Christmas movie tradition has started again. You guys know that uh, I do like to watch the new Christmas movies that come out every year. Again, not like the Hallmark cookie cutter, same, same, like, you know, really milk toast ones, but like, you know, the big budget ones, which are bad sometimes. However, uh, there's a big budget uh, Christmas movie that just came out on HBO Max. Not sure how you get it in other parts of the world called 8-Bit Christmas. Uh, it's sort of like a Christmas story, almost like a homage about a kid who really wants a Nintendo for Christmas. Really, really solid Christmas movie. Maybe the best one I've seen in years, to be honest. And then I also watched a documentary, James, called The Fight Before Christmas about this guy who put on a Christmas display that was so obnoxious and so ostentatious that his, that his neighbors asked him not to do it. Wow. And then he sued them oh. uh, for, like, freedom of religion. <laughs> and I won't give away what happens, but it gets pretty freaking wild. And that's on Apple TV if you guys want to check that one out. Okay, I need to renew my subscription because I know that season two of The Morning Show has dropped. And also there's that thing with Tom Hanks in it that looks quite interesting. So oh, I probably, watched that. I saw probably, that one too. Probably need to get back across the old Apple TV+. Plus. Netflix occupies most of my time, to be honest. Two new shows dropped. Now, I know anyone who was listening to the live stream or rather watching the live stream on Monday will know the answer to this. But two series dropped in the last week. Narcos Mexico. There is a third season of that, and I yeah. really enjoyed the first two seasons. So you think that would be my priority, especially over some <laughs> crap like Selling Sunset season four. But oh no, Selling Sunset is the priority. I've nearly reached the end of the season. Joe, you revealed that you blew through it in two days. I know. I watched it in one day. That's even in worse. One, in one day, we watch it because it's a good show for me to have on in the background and still be able to do other things. So like, I just needed a day over the Thanksgiving weekend to do absolutely nothing and just play Hearthstone on my phone and and watch Selling Sunset at the same time. Have you gotten to finish the season yet or not by now? No, I've just had the episode where uh, the actor who plays Shang-Chi has appeared and he's like, yeah, I'm really glad that we could get each other's details and that you could connect us, especially at this time where I have a movie to promote that's currently streaming on, uh, on Disney+. Plus. Obviously, he doesn't say that last part, but it's obvious that this whole thing is so contrived. I mean, look, I find it entertaining on a surface level, but scratch below the surface, and there are deep, deep-rooted issues with this program. And the way it reinforces stereotypes about women and female relationships is really not a healthy thing in the year 2021. But if like, you like just, the gold digger aspect of it. Well, just also just the infighting and the fact that women can't work with other women, and the fact that they the use of words like bitch and hoe. It's stuff which I don't think is particularly positive. Um, but as I said, don't scratch below the surface because there's, there is nothing other than a surface. I yeah. also want to see more houses, more houses, less contrived conversations at bars that are clearly giving away free food so they can be featured. And also less contrived conversations in an office that I'm not convinced is the actual office of the Oppenheim group. So yeah, there yeah, the, the whole thing comes across a little weird, um, especially when every conversation is a conversation about a previous conversation. Yes. I'm like, oh no, now we got to have a conversation about that last conversation we just yes. had. Now we got to like debrief on that. That gets a little bit like a human centipede by the end of the the first uh, this this fourth season, which is why I, I kind of am checked out for a lot of it. 
Uh, but there's enough that happens by the end that I think uh, you'll be interested. Although, you know, the, the whole the whole thing, right, is, is Christina is the villain. And yeah, but she's the, this is, and this is the problem when you take real people and you create either exaggerated versions of themselves or fictionalized versions of themselves is she is grossly inconsistent. And sometimes the facade slips and sometimes her being this kind of evil, selfish person that starts to disappear and you see a glimpse of humanity and then she remembers oh no i'm playing christine on selling sunset i now have to go back into cruella Deville mode um and that's where i have you know i mean look i don't know why we're analyzing this to death it's shit tv but it is just very entertaining on a superficial level my whole point just to put a pin in christina is that it it she they always talk about like are we going to get rid of Christina or not right but she's the show she really is the show like there's no drama without her like every every piece of the drama revolves around her and so unless they want to make it a show about houses which i think is pretty interesting in the first place uh they they can't ever really get rid of her in my opinion so we all know the real star of the show is Mary's husband remain he is <laughs> oh my who God. basically has a look on his face that says why the fuck did i agree to this um, but anyway, I'm sure everyone's got better things to be doing with their time than watching crappy scripted reality shows on Netflix, especially if there is so much going on right now yeah. with the big 20, the 20th anniversary of stars. And I know Joe, that you like to find out what's going on with the rewind series, because as far as our streams are concerned, we've only been across a few of these events. We did have that stream the Monday before last, where we had three winners in one night this week, we had the Sunday million big 20 edition. I left before the end. My understanding is that the heads-up battle was actually quite entertaining. It was. It was really entertaining, uh, really fun to watch. You know, it was sort of a David versus Goliath story. And then what happened was there was a moment where David uh, had it locked up. Basically, what happened was uh, the the Goliath of the situation, uh, Graf Tackle, who, you know, is a, a killer and just sort of mowed his way through the final table, um, got heads up with someone that was a little bit less experienced and in multiple situations shoved River with missed draws or, or just air balls and got uh, got the eventual winner to, to fold uh, in some pretty marginal spots. And it worked and it worked again and it worked again. And then there was... It came down to another situation where Graf Tackle once again tried uh, tried to shove River, but just ran into two pair this time. And it was slightly, you know, it was always top pair. It was always one pair, or top pair, bad kicker. And this time with the two pair, uh, it got snapped off. And it was a really interesting, fun heads up battle, which I can't say very often. Cool. Uh, so in the Rewind events, uh, in recent days, we've celebrated... Uh, the year of Zoom, where we gave away a trip to the Monte Carlo Grand Prix. Uh, in even more recent days, we had the year of sports and casino, when PokerStars became more than just a poker platform. We gave away a trip to Vegas. And we had the year of the USA yesterday. And this was, of course, about celebrating PokerStars entering the New Jersey market, the first of our American licenses, and that awarded a trip to New York. Now, coming up, in the last few days of this series, there's a couple of events which are directly linked. So 2018 is the year of the Platinum Pass and 2019 is the year of the PSPC. So that 2018 tournament very much acts as a satellite 
for the 2019 MTT. Because what we are doing is giving away, I guess, mini platinum passes for the mini PSPC, free tickets for a $25 version of the PSPC, which starts on Friday, concludes on Saturday. We will stream the second and final day of that mini PSPC, celebrating the year of the PokerStars Players Championship 2019. And then the final event in the Rewind series is going to be uh, the year of the arena, the year of all those big online series we did. So this is going to be a big buy-in event. This is going to be a 5K high roller. But the winner of that is going to get tickets to a Foo Fighters gig. Should say the winner, the winner of the mini PSPC will get a platinum pass because we know the PSPC is going to take place. The second PSPC will be held at some point in the future so we can still give away platinum passes to that and then that final event is the 5k and then of course on sunday while we're streaming that 5k final table the big 20 finale gets underway 55 dollars to play five million dollars guaranteed 500k in added value this is my favorite aspect some of the added value is bounties on selected players and here's the thing guys knock out a red spade twenty thousand dollars 20k bounties on every red spade on every team poker stars pro playing in that 55 dollar big 20 finale events and again as far as joe and i are concerned we'll pick up the action on that one on tuesday which is the 7th of december we'll stream the final day we'll crown a champion and of course we will also reveal the winners in the players awards You've got until the end of Sunday to vote. And as ever, I'm going to send you to the PokerStars blog. I know that there's compilations on YouTube as well. But if you go to the blog, all 50 hands, all 10 categories are detailed. And you can have your say in each one. And you've only got until the early hours of Monday, one minute past midnight, UK time, to have your say. So not a lot of time left in 2021 but a lot going on still like this is the time to get your shit together and pay attention absolutely absolutely and this has all been part of over the last few weeks over the last couple of months just celebrating the history of poker stars and today joe we wanted to talk about celebrities because they have been a huge part of poker stars history if you look back over the last two decades we've had numerous celebrity ambassadors Actors like Jason Alexander and Will Wheaton were on the books at one stage. Sports stars. We've got Neymar Jr. as an ambassador right now, for example. And then you have the celebrities who we know are big poker fans who, uninvited, will just rock up to our live events. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, we did our Casino Royale retrospective a few weeks back. Mads Mikkelsen, shortly after playing Le Chiffre, showed up in EPT Copenhagen in 2007. We had a few years where three-time Super Bowl winner... Uh, Richard Seymour would show up and play the PCA. Paul Pierce at the PCA had an amazing moment with Mustafa Kanet. Yeah. And then, of course, there are celebrities who we featured in our TV shows. And I guess Shark Cage is probably the most famous example of where we had players like Don Cheadle, Sean Astin, poor old Shannon Elizabeth in the first season. And then there are the special events we've staged for charity. Uh, whether they've been in the Bahamas, in Monte Carlo. I mean, all the way back in the early days of Stars, there was a special event we hosted in Cannes for the premiere of Ocean's 13, which featured many members of the cast of that movie, including George Clooney and Matt Damon. And then in recent months, those charity events have moved online. And to bring things up to the present day, we figured 
we would try and speak to one big name who we've seen playing in those online charity games, including both editions of Hank's Home Game. He is the guest on this week's show. He is an actor who won a Golden Globe and an Emmy for playing Don Draper in Mad Men. His filmography includes Baby Driver, Bad Times at the El Royale, and Richard Jewell. He appeared in the bleakest of all Black Mirror episodes, and that is saying something. And according to Toast of London, he has charisma. (laughs) John Hamm, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. That's a that's an excellent rundown. My CV. Uh, so yeah, you're in Scotland. You use the proper terminology. CV. Do you do you translate in your head or? <laughs> so it it, it kind of depends. It depends on who I'm talking to. If, I, if anybody with an accent gets some sort of version of the of the proper UK uh, terminology, but I've also just come from set with a lot of uh, with a lot of accents. So uh, it 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 helps that in that respect. You just change over. Uh, what we usually do is we uh, we start with people's por- poker origin story. Like, where and when did you first learn the game, fall in love with it, etc.? Um, I remember as a kid reading a lot of books about poker because I read a lot of books about video games. Um, and, like, I read a lot of books about puzzles and solving puzzles, and it just seemed like a natural progression to go from one to the other. It was like I would read books about uh, like solving puzzles, solving a Rubik's cube. Uh, then it would go into like magic tricks and things like that. And then it would go into uh, video games, solving like how to f- finish Zelda or whatever. It was w- well before then. But uh, And then poker was the natural uh, extension. And then I remember reading a lot about, because this was in the very early days and pre-televised days, about about the sort of origin stories of the World Series of Poker. And you know, poker at that point in in the national conversation was kind of a game that was played by cowboys in the old west, and somebody ended up getting shot, uh, or it was played by like old Jews in in New York City in the '60s, and everybody made jokes. Um, so it, it was it was a very different kind of kind of game, and I just remember thinking, oh, that sounds like a really fun the world series and all the characters and texas dolly and and binions and all of these things that to a kid were you know seem like alien uh so that was kind of my first iteration of of getting to know it and then to play it was honestly uh i started playing poker with uh, a bunch of, of folks in in los angeles when i first moved to LA, I had played here and there uh, in sort of a, a, you know, messing around way, but in any real way for actual money, I started playing in, um, in Los Angeles with, with people like Sarah Silverman and Hank Azaria and, 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 and those ga- games. Um, and I, I, I uh, very quickly got priced out of Hank's game, um, but, uh, but actually uh, stuck around in, in quite a few of the other ones. And, and uh, and the old adage goes, it's like you you don't really need cards when you're with good friends. It's it's more about the hang and it's more about the jokes and it's more about uh, kind of the, the the evening rather than winning and losing money. Uh, it's 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 rarely if you're there if you're there to take somebody's money in some of these games, you're kind of there for the wrong reason. So th- there's plenty of places to go to take people's money, 
the, the games I play in are, are very rarely those. I assume that when you started playing in these games that you were a less successful actor than you are now, and so were most of the people uh, that you played with. Was it cool slash weird to see people like all becoming something from those games? For sure. In fact, I remember, I think, I remember sitting next to Sarah Silverman, who was a very successful comedian at that point, and this was probably back in the mid-90s. Um, so she had been on SNL and she was a very famous, you know, road comedian and what have you, certainly on my radar, if not on, on, on other folks's, but, um, I, I had, I hadn't obviously done Mad Men yet, but I was working on a television show called The Division on Lifetime. Uh, and it was my first time I was a regular on a television show. And at, at some point we were playing and I came over and I would always bring, you know, beer and chips and whatever you bring your, your contribution to the evening and she opened the door and I, I was one of the first couple there she, she was like oh my god hammy i didn't know you were an actor <laughs> <laughs> i just saw your tv show it was on lifetime and i said yeah that's me and she's like i had no idea i thought you were just like a friend of tall john's that hung out at comedy shows i was like no i have a job uh but yeah so it was kind of that that was always that was always a, an interesting kind of uh progression when you would see you know certain people uh hit it or or or, or not that's what i kind of like about poker too is that you end up spending hours and hours and hours with people without really getting to know too much about them like you must have spent you know years with her and she didn't know you were an actor but she knew you and that's kind of like that's part of the cool thing about poker to me is like you don't have to pry but you get to know yeah. people yeah for sure and that's you know that becomes part of the the history of it for whatever. And, 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 and if I look back now, I'm, I'm, I've known Sarah for the better part of two decades. You know, it's a, it's a crazy kind of thing. She, she lives in my neighborhood now. Like it's not here in Scotland, obviously, but uh, <laughs> she's, you know, uh, she's a long time good friend. Uh, people are always asking me who I think the best celebrity poker players are, because I do end up playing in some of these games in LA playing on some of these celebrity TV shows. I want to know who you think, some of the best celebrity poker players are the guys I always find hard to beat, and we lost one this year because he was an excellent player, uh, Willie Garson. Um, um, sadly uh, and shockingly, uh, uh, oddly, um, are the are the one of the usual suspects. I mean, uh, uh, Jason uh, Alexander, Kevin Pollock, they're both very good. They're both very they they play good, sensible poker you know if they were if they were chess players they'd be you know grandmaster they don't make mistakes they rarely make mistakes um uh and and hank is also very very good um but uh you know i'm, I'm more of a uh, surprising <laughs> poker player to, to say the least um but uh david wayne i think is a very good player uh, michael ian black um i've not played with her but i've seen her play um uh um Meg Tilly, uh, Jennifer Tilly, sorry, Jennifer Tilly, not Meg, not her sister. They're two separate people um, <laughs> that share one voice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's quite a few, there's quite a few people out there that, that are good. I mean, I think that, that, that the explosion of, of, of poker as a cultural thing has, has proven that if you're, if you're good at math and you're, and you're quick uh, witted and you have a lot of patience that you can be you can be as, as good as some of these people who are professional uh 
I did play with you once before in a live game. It was on a TV show, and you said that you really like playing poker, but you don't get to do it that much in casinos just because it's not that fun for you getting poked and prodded. Is that something that happens when you go play in public? Are people like a little too handsy with you? Um, I haven't played in a long time in a casino. Um, I have played in a few like big big tournaments at, at various places for charities and whatnot. Uh, back when you could do that in, in, in a room with, you know, a thousand people in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it depends, it depends. Honestly, it depends on, on the, on the room and the mood of the room. And, you know, if it's, if it's late night at a casino and everybody's had a few, it's yeah. a very different vibe than if it's, you know. I mean, we referenced already that we saw you play in both editions of Hank's online home game. Uh, that we created videos out of earlier this year. And the thing that struck me the most was not the fact that clearly you know what you're doing at poker, it's how much you know about movies, about your industry, whether it's the golden age of cinema, whether it's 70s conspiracy thrillers, whether it's comedies from the 1980s. There didn't seem to be a film that you had not seen. I've seen my fair share of movies. Now, you have to remember also that both of those things were recorded during lockdown where there was nothing else to do but watch movies. Um, and that's, I think, uh, that probably informed a lot of my recent watching. But uh, look, man, we're living in high cotton right now if you like movies, because every movie that was ever made ever is available at your fingertips yeah. instantly wherever you are. You know, if as long as you're connected to the interweb, you've got access to several streams that can get you some of the greatest movies ever made so it's been kind of cool and i've got a lot of friends that are um that are crazy cinephiles um edgar wright and and and, and uh greg matola and bill Hader, to name a few but it's it'll be it's always interesting to to get some recommendations from from those boys because they, they do some deep dives uh and it's in it and then you have things like the criterion channel or tcm that you can just go down a rabbit hole especially like now where i'm lo on location with nothing really to do you're not really allowed to go outside so it's uh and when you do it's still scotland it's rainy and cold um <laughs> it's a little bit like uh poker you know with i think people people really realized during because all of my home games and fun games and friend games all went online yeah uh and and most have continued online even even though technically we could reconvene it's just so convenient and i think it was it was an amazing lesson for a lot of people to learn when you start playing hundreds of hands a night rather than 10 and 20 a night how many times hands that you didn't think you would see start to show up uh and i think you know we, we were all kind of mystified like quads again like we i've played with these guys for 20 years i've never seen a quads hit like are you crazy uh, or i can think of the amount of times that they've hit you know, on on one hand and we we'd get them three four times in a night it's like oh yeah we just played 250 hands of poker like it, it on any given night at somebody's house when there's food being ordered and and, and music being put on, you know, we, maybe we'll get into 50, 60 hands. Like, it's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it was, that kind of stuff is, that the, the math is is no joke. I think what John is saying is play on poker stars, everyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when you have all this downtime during lockdown, during being on location, do you find yourself 
uh, mostly revisiting or watching classic things, or do you like wa- binge watch new stuff? Are you a Squid Game guy? Are you a Selling Sunset guy? It's a, it's a, it depends. You know, I, I, I went uh, last movie I was on. I was a Squid Game movie. Obviously, it came out, and I was like, this looks interesting, uh, and it was. I think, uh, I think my my latest has been uh, our 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 dear friend Mr. Rudd's uh, latest, The Shrink Next Door, um, which I'm enjoying. Um, so there's always something new, and it's and it's not just you know these the bingeable stuff. I think that you know that everyone went through their Tiger King phase, yeah. um, and uh, you know th- there's there is that thing of just you know revisiting movies again. Like I said, if, you, if you've got an Amazon account, you know not to plug one service over another, but boy, it's it's the world's your oyster, and it am you can get into some some deep cuts to say the least. Uh, we watched quite a few over over lockdown. It was like uh, there's a movie called The Last of Sheila. Uh, since we since we lost uh, we lost Stephen Sondheim, he was he was one of the screenwriters on The Last of Sheila. I don't know if anybody that's a that's a deep cut uh, for, the, for those of you uh, uh, Raquel Welsh, Richard Benjamin uh, fans out there. It's a very '70s kind of whodunit. In the, he's such in the- a nerd. I love it. It's just like you see John Hamm, and you're like, God, this guy seems like he's so cool. And then he shows up, <laughs> and he's a nerd on top of it all. But I kind of I want to echo the point that John's making because as someone who grew up in the 1980s and early 1990s, like I had to wait for them to sort out the VHS distribution rights of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for that film to finally make it onto tape at the beginning of the 90s for me to see it. So when people are like, Oh, I haven't watched any movies before, like the year 2000 it's like they're all there on every streaming service on every download service you can watch anything you want it's like please please explore some of these greats from 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 yesteryear because they are worth it and they're in hd you know yeah. as much as they can be on the transfer I, I was listening to edgar make a point about american werewolf in london which is one of my favorite movies of all time and uh he had said that the the the, the original scene where we kind of we don't really see it, but where the werewolf sort of makes his presence known, which, if you know the film, is this terrifying sequence on the moors. Um, not to bring it back to Scotland, it's actually Northern <laughs> England. Don't worry about it. But uh, it's he he thought that the way it was shot was deliberately dark and moody on purpose because he had only watched kind of crappy VHS tapes in this terrible resolution and he thought yeah. oh what a cool thing they did was all you know it was all sound design really because they didn't want to show what the what the what the werewolf looked like and it's all in cuts and this and that and it was only very later in in his life when he actually saw like an actual print of the film <laughs> broad you know uh, presented as it was meant to in a cinema or on dvd or something where he was like oh it's totally bright, and it, it makes, you know there, there was a very different idea going on in that. And it's it's funny how how you how you learn like that. But but there's there's a tremendous catalog of of, of amazing films out there. So yeah, in HD, the shark from Jaws works perfectly. I don't know. if <laughs> exactly. Most people don't know that. <laughs> so in the same way that you were finding yourself playing a lot of online poker and watching a lot of movies during lockdown, John, we found ourselves watching a lot of online poker rather than being able to go to live events. And one of the things I think we've discovered in the last 18 months is there are a lot, a lot of players on PokerStars who have Don Draper avatars. And <laughs> we, would, we would love it if every time it's like, maybe it is John Hamm. You think that's maybe, John Hamm? Maybe that, that, be, is that could be John Hamm John from Hamm. Scotland. 
Wow, I did not know that. That is uh, that's quite a that's a that's a weird honor, but an honor nonetheless, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's 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 amazing. I I, I wish I. I wish I had the the confidence to actually use Don Draper as my own <laughs> poker stars avatar, but I think I would prefer the anonymity rather than yes. broadcasting it. All right. Speaking of anonymity, you have no social media from what people can tell. And I got it. Do you have like a secret social media account that you used to like keep tabs on thing and people like control people? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. Like I, I definitely have one that where I can look at, you know, things that make me happy. So, so there's like nice hotels and nice places in the world and rescue animals and things like that. I don't use it for, I never write anything. I never comment. Um, I just don't, I don't believe in it. It's uh, I like that I can idly while away some time while I'm waiting in an airport lounge or something, looking at uh, design or, 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 or places to perhaps visit at some point in the world. Um, but the rest of it can all go away. I get why you wouldn't participate. If I were you, I wouldn't want to either. Like, what good can come of it? Like, you know, what, I, what, would I, you become I, a I, movie star? Exactly. I have yet to figure out what what benefit there lies in it for me. Uh, I get the I get the immediate kind of dopamine hit of likes and hits and shares and hearts and whatever else you might have. Um, and I guess I get the like interactive part of it where it's fun to participate in something, but I also have a job and need to spend time on that to make, to be good at my job. So, and I also have a leisure life, which I like participating in as well. So it just, I remember very early on thinking like, that just seems like one more thing I have to manage and I don't want to do that. Um, so I, and I was very, I think I was the last one in and the door closed behind me before they just basically made everybody have those. Although I have quite a few friends that are, that have opted out as well. And if they have a, a presence on that, it's sort of managed by, you know, a publicist or something. So uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you about is I'm very, very excited and curious about uh, Fletch uh, as a kid who grew up uh, quoting Fletch constantly. I assume you were a big fan and I would just like to know anything you can possibly tell us about your experience playing Fletch. Well, it's uh, it's uh, I am I am and remain a big fan of of the original. Um, not so much the second one, but the the first one for sure. Um, saw it several times in the cinema as a kid. I can remember it vividly. What most people probably don't know is that there are eleven novels that Gregory McDonald wrote. Oh wow! Starring the Fletch character. Uh, the first two films were simply two of those novels. So there's this huge backlog of, of books to choose from. And, and we thought it would be more interesting instead of kind of doing an homage to the Chevy version, which exists, and we're very, I'm very happy for people to watch that and enjoy it. But we wanted to kind of literally reboot this franchise uh, with, with something different and, and, and hew much closer to the tone uh, and the and the um, story of of the original novels, and so we did. Uh, it takes place in Boston, although we've still made made Fletch a Laker fan, um, we which we thought was funny um, because everybody in Boston hates the Lakers. Um, but we we kind of just we t- we 
took uh, some things here and there and and we and we kept it a lot closer to the the actual story of the of the first the second book which is called confess fletch um so there's an art theft and a thing and there's an international element uh it takes place in boston uh it's 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 very funny it's it doesn't it's not uh it's not about wigs and teeth and um, and, you know, sort of silly alter egos. Some of those have not aged well uh, over time. <laughs> Some have. Um, but we, we did try to bring it into the 21st century and, and still make Fletch the irreverent kind of um, outsider that, that, he, that he always was who, who it, it, you know, has the heart of gold and wants to, wants to do the right thing in his own funny way. And uh, so, yeah, we got a great cast together. We shot it in Boston this last summer for three months during COVID, which was, um, you know, its own set of challenges. And then we did a week in, in Rome, um, which was also very exciting. And, and what we hope to have made is sort of a, a, a cover song, you know, like a cover version of a song. And, and, yeah. uh, cool. and so we'll have our, our own spin on it. That's fantastic. John, before I uh, thank you for answering that. I am really excited for Fletch. Uh, before we let you go, so I much. like to uh, to torture my guests with a very stupid game based on them, usually. Um, and uh, one thing I learned about you the time we played poker is that you do have this insane knowledge of pop culture. So I thought it'd be fun to do a quiz for you based on how well you know the source material of various reboots and prequels and sequels you've oh, been boy. a part of. Okay, I can, I can, I can, but try. I suspect you'll do well. Question number one. In the original Fletch, these are multiple choice, by the way. In the original Fletch, F Fletch uses what alias when introducing himself to Mrs. Stanwyck on the tennis court? Is it? Oh, go ahead. You can answer without choices if you want. Uh, I, I, think I, I think I know this. I believe it was John Cocktoast. John Cocktoastle is correct. Did not even need the choices. Question number two. In the new animated series Marvel's Modoc, John Hamm plays the voice of Tony Stark slash Iron Man. Which of the following Madman actors has not played a Marvel character? John Slattery, January Jones, Jared Harris, or Elizabeth Moss? Wow. Um, I'm... I'm gonna have to say, I know Slatty and January have. John played Tony Stark's father in flashbacks, and January played Emma Frost, the the uh, White good. Queen. He's I really believe. good. He's um, very good. And I know Lizzie did an animated thing, but I think it was a animated Batman thing. So I'm gonna say that. Uh, Lizzie is the one that has not done Marvel. Lizzie is the one. Jared Harris is in a Marvel movie that hasn't even been released yet. Great deduction there. <laughs> Question three. John Hamm was in the 2010 theatrical version of The A-Team. Where's the fucking sequel, by the way? Uh, what kind of commando unit was the original A-Team? Was it a crack commando unit, an elite commando unit, a cold-blooded commando unit, or a pretty awesome little commando unit? I believe they were an elite commando unit. Oh, I first miss for John Hamm. Crack. crack commando unit. I got that voiceover in 1972, a crack commando unit. That's That voice is just ingrained I, I in heard, my brain. I heard elite. Yeah, I, I certainly remember the uh, the opening yeah. of that series. It was great. 
with the uh, with the gunshots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only blowing through these because I don't want to keep you over time. Question four. John Hamm has hosted SNL exactly three times. Too short of the five-timers club. Who was the host when the five-timers club was first mentioned in 1990? Was it Steve Martin, Paul Simon, Tom Hanks, or Charles Nelson Riley? I think... Three of those are in the Five Timers Club, but I will say I think it was Steve Martin. Steve Martin was the person who welcomed Tom Hanks into the, into five, the five Timers, Timers Club. Club. Yes, indeed. In that episode. Question number five. In an episode of Archer, John Hamm played Captain Murphy, a character originally played by the late, great Harry Goss on which TV show? Was it? Uh, you go, it, was, you want, it, it was C-Lab. C-Lab 2021 is correct. <laughs> Question number five. In a 2011 episode of Robert Robot Chicken, John Hamm played a version of Michael Knight from the 80s TV series wow, Knight Rider. This one's tough, though. It only lasted one season. Who played the voice of Kit in the 2008 reboot? Oh, no, I don't know There was know a that. reboot of Knight Rider? Was it Val Kilmer... Vigo Mortensen, Edward Norton, or Jerry Stiller? Wow. Oh, gosh. It was William Daniels in the original, I think, right? William Once. Daniels, yep. Uh, this, this was almost a Boy Meets World question, but I went with the uh, the much tougher. Once I saw who played the voice in the reboot. Wow. Uh, so Val Kilmer, what was the second choice? Vigo Mortensen. Mortensen. I'm going to say... It was Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is correct. More importantly, John just mentioned William Daniels, and now I want to watch the Parallax view again. That's my evening sorted. Final question, Joe. Final question. This one breaks the mold a little bit, but it's poker related. In a 2016 episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, John Hamm played a character by the name of Don Grouper. Which cast member of SpongeBob SquarePants... Finished ninth in a $400 daily deep stack at this year's World Series of Poker. Are you making this up now? I'm not making this up. Tom Kenny, Clancy Brown, Bill Fagerbakey, or Ernest Borgnine? I'm going to go with Bill. Bill is correct. Plays the voice of Patrick Patrick. on SpongeBob. I know his voice. I I feel like I've seen him at some of the things before. He's hard to miss. He's a large format gentleman for sure. He he absolutely is. John Hamm, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate you. You're the best. I would like to point out that I predicted that John would would do well in that quiz. So I kind of feel like I was a winner as well. You are. I think we're we're all winners winners here. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for giving up your time today and good luck with the rest of the shoot in Scotland. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys having me. And um, yes, I will. Uh, as you can see, it's getting dark because it's almost four o'clock here. <laughs> Go to bed. Yeah, ex- right. It's it's uh, it's it's never fails to impress. As soon as you walk outside, you're kind of like, oh, it's this is Scotland. OK. Uh, but uh, I will enjoy it to, to my best ability, and uh, thanks again for having me. Well, as usual, we're going to close out this week's episode of the podcast with our Superfan versus Stapes competition, and we welcome Michael Park from Canada to the show. Hello, Michael. 
Hello, James. This is truly an honor. And Joe. <laughs> hey, Michael. It's nice to meet you, too. And I'm just going to say what everybody's thinking. Um, I don't think I have a very good chance against you in the subject of Korean food. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to say stuff like that, but based on the last name and based on some visuals here, I feel like I might be a bit of a dog. I was wondering how, uh, where, how far we were going to go with the references to Korean food with you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, because of that, uh, I was thinking about that exact thing. And I was like, I was even going to start Googling some stuff on Korean food just to <laughs> brush up. <laughs> but, and then I was like, you know, no, that's not cool, man. You 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 brought up that subject because you think you know well, you have some kind of uh, you know I have a little bit of history with it. So I was like, <laughs> last night I was I was like, okay, so am I gonna Google some things about? It? And I was like, no way, you can't do that. I, the, the irony is you probably should because if there's one thing we know about Patrick is he can be a little bit random I actually inquired as to whether he'd done any research and I actually think and this is where Joe I think people of our generation knew how to play the system a little bit better imagine the amount of Korean food Patrick could have gone through in the last seven days and written off on expenses as research <laughs> I, I, my only experience with Korean food is um, not my only experience because I do like it. But Joseph Khan, who is a guest on this podcast, uh, took me out for Korean food one time and I didn't remember any of the stuff we ate. And I was so embarrassed to be like, hey, um, I'm just trying to order Korean food again. Like, what was the food he got? And then it was, we got and it was like it was like whatever the like the whitest version of korean food is he's like uh it was short ribs and i'm like oh thanks i was expecting something complicated okay so we've done this slightly the other way around how we'd normally do it normally yeah. we'd introduce our guest and then talk about the specialist subject so michael tell us about you as a person well i think um the most pertinent thing thing these days that's brought me here is uh i'm taking part in the poker stars dare to stream challenge hey and um it's been uh just an absolutely amazing experience like i'm completely at a loss for words because up until this uh challenge um i had been down the poker rabbit hole so to speak um quite deeply but on it's been mainly a solo venture up until now and i was it was just kind of by chance um i'm always on stars grinding but uh i just had the facilities together to uh to enter the challenge but just by chance i was trying to faci facilitate some more involvement in my online home game so I was getting the Discord and the broadcasting software together just to kind of, um, you know, make that a little bit more interesting. And then the PokerStars Dare to Stream Challenge came up and I saw that. And um, I initially entered purely just to get tournament tickets. So you look <laughs> at my first week of streams and the first couple, they're really horrible streams. <laughs> Uh, look, our first couple streams were pretty bad too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, so because I had just fired things Minus. up, and I literally had like 
24 hours with OBS before I started streaming and or and it was a quite intensive 24 hours but you know the first week of streaming I didn't even know there was a studio mode where I could adjust my scenes before yeah. I broadcast them and so a lot of my first uh broadcast is just me dragging around things and but it's been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. Michael, I'm going to make you feel better about yourself. Joe, you've been using OBS for a number of years now. Has there ever been an occasion where you haven't done something wrong? No, the first <laughs> 40 minutes of whatever stream I do is me doing tech support <laughs> and asking the audience how to fix the problems I'm having. If I think there was one time that didn't happen because I streamed directly from my PlayStation, and that was a time I didn't turn my stream off. That's right. So there was 40 minutes at That's the right. end where I continued streaming even though I thought I had finished. And let's not forget <laughs> the podcasts, which never got recorded because you hit the start streaming button instead of the start recording button. In fact, as you say that, I'm just going to... Okay, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so Take it, two. What is your online handle then? What is your streamer ID, Michael? Uh, it is Bombchan. B-O-M-B-C-H-A-N. So yeah, everybody come down. Give Wait, me a isn't follow. that Korean food? <laughs> it's actually a, uh, a phonetically bastardized English version of my Korean name. So my Korean name is Bomchan. That's how my mom would say Bomchan. Ah. Okay. Um, but uh, years ago, a friend of mine was like, hey, why don't you spell your name Bomb Chan? And uh, so it started for me because uh, because I'm going to uh, I'm just trying to find you on uh, on Twitch yeah. right now. B -O -M -B, I want to give you a follow like bomb as an exploding thing and Chan. Oh, there we go. In, uh, Sorry the, about the typing. Guys. Johnny I'm Chan. To find bomb Chan here. Here we go. Got him followed. Oh, cool. Look cool. at the loyalty. Look at the support. Okay, so we know that you got into streaming for, quote, the free tickets. So let's see if we can give you a free ticket by winning this Korean food quiz. And you know that you get to go first because you are our super fan. So please give me a number between one and ten, Michael. Eight. Number eight. Date with an eight. Kimchi is served at almost every Korean meal. What is it? The spicy pickled cabbage. It is indeed for two points. Didn't need the options. How are you feeling, Job? If that's the kind of ballpark style of question. There's no way that I will know a question as well as I would have known that one. So I'm feeling terrible. Like that was, the, that was probably my only gimme. Um, I feel like Patrick thought Michael was going to go number seven and maybe gave him a slightly harder this time around. So what one does he think I'm going to pick? I pick eight. Let's go nine. Number nine, the national drink of South Korea is an alcoholic beverage called soju. By the way, Michael, apologies for any terrible pronunciations on my part. Which Western drink is soju similar to? I'm just going to guess without the choices. Okay. Wine. Which was one of the options, but is not the correct answer. Vodka was the answer. Mm, okay. All right. Michael, your second question. Eight and nine off the board. Five. Question number five. I don't quite know why this question is relevant to the subject, but I didn't write the quiz. In which decade did Korea split into two countries? Ooh. 
That was the 50s. It was the 1950s. There you go. You'll take it because you got two points out of it. Well, how does this happen every week? How does this happen every single week? Every week, whatever questions I can answer, I don't get them. You think one time. One time. Was that question one? What? I heard you say one. Are you selecting question one? Sure, sure. Yeah, fine. Whatever. Okay. You knew it was coming. Roughly what percentage of the Korean population eats dog meat? Oh. Um... 4%. Multiple choice options are available. Sure. Okay. Is it 25%, 40%, 60%, or 75%? 25%. There you go, Joe. You're on the board. Congratulations. <laughs> right, Michael. 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, or 10? Question number three. When drinking alcohol, it is good etiquette for the drinker to face away from... The elder. The elder is the correct answer. Six points. Oh, I'm so angry. Thank God it's been (laughs) such a good show. Like, I'm fucking livid right now. (laughs) I only know three things about Korean culture, and they've been uh, Michael's questions. Okay, whatever. Just give me a question. And don't wear your good clothes to a Korean barbecue. (laughs) Whatever's the lowest number. The lowest number is number two. Yeah, and again, apologies for the pronunciation. What does um chong mean? I'll take the choices. Noodles, carrots, non-alcoholic beverage, or potatoes? Let's go with potatoes. First of all, how is it actually said, Michael? You know, e- I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> oh, that, it's, my pronunciation's that bad. Um chong, yum chong. Apparently, it means non-alcoholic beverage. You didn't get a point there. That's I, I kind of buried the lead there. Um, okay, penultimate question, Michael. Four, six, seven, or ten? Four. Okay, this again is a history question, but at least it links back to food. Which country occupied Korea? for 35 years, influencing Korean cuisine to this day. Japan. It was Japan for two points. It was Japan, right? Japan? Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just, I just run so bad at everything. Six, seven or 10? Six. What aid do Koreans recommend using to eat Dak bal, which apparently is spicy chicken feet. Mm, some kind of kind of bread, maybe. Let's hear the choices. Okay, chopsticks, disposable gloves, bare hands, a knife and fork. What aid? I see. Um, I know that chopsticks aren't a thing in Thai food. I'm going to say chopsticks. Disposable gloves was the answer. Michael, your final question, seven or ten. Do you know what? I'm going to give you question seven because ten has a bonus question. And I kind of feel that Joe's going to need all the help he can get. (laughs) So question seven. What does bulgogi directly translate to? I just know it as a marinated beef, but uh, I don't know. Okay, well, I'll give you the multiple choice options. Does it directly translate as cow's thing, 
food run, fire meat, or nice ball? <laughs> oh. Oh, fire meat. Fire meat for a point. So, yeah. Joe, question 10. Yeah. Featured in Squid Game, which two ingredients are combined to make Dalgona, which is honeycomb candy? Squid and game. Next, what's the bonus? Okay, um, would you like the multiple choice options? Yeah. Is it butter and honey, sugar and salt, sugar and butter, or sugar and baking soda? I like sugar and butter. Sugar and baking soda was the answer. Normally, I'd give the bonus to Michael, but I'm just trying to give you more than a single point in this game. Uh, which shape did Ji-Hun get during the game? Uh, the triangle. No, it was an umbrella. So at the end of the quiz, it's 9-1, the final score. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the dictionary definition of a shellacking. Uh, Michael, congratulations. You have won Superfan versus Stapes, and you are going to get a tournament ticket to go with all the other stuff you've been getting as part of your Dare to Stream journey. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's great. Congrats, yeah. Michael. And make sure you dine out on this story on your next stream. <laughs> Make sure you regale the audience with what a what a trouncing you gave Stapes. <laughs> Thanks for this opportunity, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Can I uh, drop a couple of names for some bros out on uh, the Twitch streets there? Uh, if you want to do shout outs, that's fine. Joe and I refuse to do shout outs, but we'll give you a whole 10 seconds. Go. Go. Okay, only three. We got uh, Gittin' Sos and the boys uh, and the strategy crew. Those guys are killing it. Kiwi Cards NZ. And try time poker. Go check him out. <laughs> Thank you very nice. much, Michael. All right, my babies. That is just about all the time we have for this week's show. Next week, it's our end of year finale. I don't know how we're going to top this. <laughs> so I'll just say... We won't, but also, I got word that we have another huge guest next week. Yeah, I think you might just be getting a bonus anniversary episode, an unadvertised part four, as we have final reflections on the Big 20, because let's be honest, Joe, it won't be until next week that we'll be able to recap the finale, this huge tournament, this huge stream we're going to do. It won't be until next week that we'll know all the winners and the players awards. So it kind of feels right that if we are going to put a bow on things, we're going to need part four. And I can say with almost cast iron certainty, it will be better than Superman four: the quest for peace. Uh, it definitely already is. And I don't know if we're saying the name of next week's guest yet or not, but I'll say this. They are a poker legend who has never done a poker podcast before. He told me that today. So wow. Wow. keep that in mind. It is someone who has never, ever, ever done a poker okay. podcast. With that information, I'm going to set you the same challenge this week that I set you last week. If you can correctly identify next week's guest in the podcast discussion channel on Discord, I will give away a prize but more exciting than that is as mentioned earlier in this show let's talk about next week's superfan competition so what do you I've got what do you got come on i'm excited so i've already been in touch with joanne who is going to come on next week and be our casino superfan and 
Joanne is going to come on in the new year because I do feel that we have missed an opportunity. We've missed a trick here to actually do one of those super fan quizzes where we set the subject and we elevate the stakes. So I do feel, again, if we are going to draw a line under the Big 20, we need to do a quiz about 20 years of PokerStars history. And we're going to need someone to volunteer to come on this show and go head to head against Joe in a quiz about poker stars trivia now i have managed to source a pretty special prize for this super fan competition i'm not going to reveal what it is yet what i can say is this prize is so special that i don't feel it would be fair to exclude anyone who has already appeared on this podcast in the super fan segment so please follow these instructions carefully i'm afraid i am not going to be across the hashtag PITE timeline on Twitter. You are going to have to apply on Discord. Remember that the link is in the podcast description. It sounds like this is going to be worth it, by the way. If if you don't have Discord, worth the five minutes it's going to take to figure out how to use it. And remember, Discord, yes, there is an app, but it can also be accessed via the web. As long as you've got the internet, as long as you've got a web browser, you can join Discord, you can join our server, uh, and if you post... In the Superfan Applications channel, not in podcast discussion, but in that specific channel for Superfan Applications, just let us know that you are interested in coming on next week's show and taking part in the Superfan quiz about the Big 20, about 20 years of PokerStars. And what we will do is draw at random from everyone who applies. And I'm going to set a deadline here, guys. And I appreciate that not everyone listens to this show within the first few days of its release. But Mm. not being funny, I have to start making plans for next week. Super fans listen to the show pretty quickly after its release, though, right? I mean, that's... That is true. That is true. So I'm basically going to say that your deadline is one minute past midnight, effectively Sunday night, but realistically one minute past midnight on Monday the 6th of December. That's your deadline to post. Everyone who has posted before that time will go into a draw and one of you can come on the show at random and compete for this special prize against Joe Stapleton. Please don't take part. Don't volunteer unless you are free next Wednesday. I'm sure most of you know by now we record on a Wednesday. We record in the afternoon UK time, which is very early morning on the West Coast and reasonably early morning on the East Coast. So just to give you in universal coordinated time, 3 p.m. That's 1,500 hours GMT. That's the slot we're going to be going for. So if you can make that time on Wednesday, which is Wednesday the 8th, right? If you can do Wednesday the 8th at that time, volunteer. And as I said, if you've been a super fan before, you will not be excluded. You can apply. Everyone who applies will go into the draw. One of you will be invited to come on. And if you win that quiz against Joe, we're talking big, special prize. That's if you win. Who's going to know the Poker Stars Big 20 better than me, though, James? Nobody. I'm just kidding. You're probably a favorite, whoever you are. Uh, sorry, I'm just, my head's in the clouds a little bit from John Hamm. Every time I'm, every time I'm around him, I just get like a little <laughs> lightheaded. I get like a little... Like, I know the uh, definition of man crush. Like, I, every time I talk to John Hamm, even for a second, I'm like, God, I just want to hang out with you in real life. Can we do I'm that? Gonna say, I'm going to say Toast of London was right. <laughs> all right, my babies. That is all the time we have got. 
for this week's show. You heard all the instructions. One more blowout show to close out the year. But for now, for James Hardigan and Joe Stapleton, who is madly in love with John Hamm, I am now saying, smell you later. Smell you later.